This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3699 for Thursday, the 6th of October, 2022. Today's show is entitled Old and New Video Games and Board Games with Guest Bin RC. It is hosted by Celeste and is about 43 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is We will dive into our favorite games or others with interesting mechanics. No one thought that we that I would had uh, a new episode. Maybe neither I. But we have a special guest today. You know him from uh, other podcasts on HPR. He's been RC. Uh, he recorded some episode about Plan Nine and uh, one about how I got into computing. Um, so welcome. Hello. So uh, for today we decided to talk about our favorite games, uh, just that, and I th- I think we might find uh, maybe lit- even little games that are curious to to look at. Yeah, yeah, I think a games episode is easy to record and easy to listen to. It doesn't really require a lot of. Uh, preliminary note-taking and research and I can still talk for about five hours on, on <laughs> games without having to write uh, or write a small uh, novel <laughs> of notes for it, you know, just include links maybe Well, you can even talk for hours about Plan 9 without notes, so I'm pretty sure that we yeah, we'll, we'll be this episode either. will be really long yeah, the notes are for the audience anyway. <laughs> okay, let's start uh, with you. What is your favorite uh, genre about games? And uh... my favorite genre of games. Yeah, and then um, one or two examples about that. Two examples. So you can open my Steam library here and look through it. Uh, lots of shooters. Um, lots of rogue, rogue likes and rogue lights, uh, and it games with like some RPG uh, elements, but not too heavy. I don't like the the type of gameplay where it's like get the thing to get the thing to get the thing to get the thing to progress the story. Uh, I guess like arena shooters with a little bit of story are games that I like a lot. It's kind of a weird thing to say. And also uh, roguelites. Uh, roguelites is like, are like um, like the command line rogue game, except the more times you play through, you unlock more things. That's why it's a roguelite. Um, and then RPG games I, I enjoy. Uh, just yeah, not- for people who don't know, rogue, uh, rogue-like games are uh, a type of games where you have uh, uh, just random dungeons uh, with many layers, and you have to explore every every map and progress to the new one, and everything is generated every time different. Yeah, it's typically randomly generated. Um, 
although not always and all, not all of them are dungeon crawlers is really the gameplay mm-hmm. loop is uh you have a randomly generated thing before you um and that random generation either makes it a really easy playthrough or a really hard playthrough and different things you unlock um as you traverse through the levels uh will either help or hinder you mm-hmm. and the roguelite aspect is kind of interesting because sometimes in different roguelites, uh, you will have like items persist. So if you like complete it, you will get a special item that persists across or like game mode modifiers, um, things like that. You just made me remember uh, a similar game, which is a, a mix of uh, roguelike mechanics with uh, rhythm games. Um, so one aspect in roguelike games uh, is that uh, everything is turn-based. So the whole world stops, you decide what to do, and then you do a move, and then the whole game progresses. Um, so there is a game, an indie game, called uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. You can find it on Steam and I guess other platforms too. Um, So they mixed uh, those aspects and uh, insta- it's still turn-based, but each turn progresses at each music beat automatically. And you can only move uh, in time uh, following the beat. <laughs> Some people even play that with a dance pad. <laughs> I think you, I think you told me about playing this game with a dance pad. I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at it, and I it must have been early release or something. And I said, uh, early release game for playing on Linux. Uh, either it will work now and won't work in the future, or it will always work, or it will be unreliable the whole time through. <laughs> uh, well, for me, actually, it always worked, so I'm quite happy. Even on the laptop, uh, it works fine. Yeah, Steam Steam plays really mm-hmm. good, I think. Uh, I've only had a few games be problematic <laughs> with Steam mm-hmm. Play on Linux. Yeah, also, they recently added the Proton uh, pl- uh, compatibility layer, which is yeah. based on Wine. And uh, lets you play uh, Windows games on Linux machines. Uh, clearly, they did it uh, they, and they funded it for uh, aiming at their Steam Deck uh, um, platform, which is based on Linux too. So they had to find a way to instantly make most of their games compatible with Linux. I think a lot of it is, too, you know, Microsoft is buying up all of these game companies. And as a business decision, it makes sense to make anti-Microsoft moves when your competitor is buying up all of the gaming companies mm-hmm. and building games that are deliberately uh, very difficult to run on, on a non-Windows operating system. And, you know, even, like, difficult to port to consoles, right? Like Xbox and PC exclusives. things that you couldn't port to a PlayStation or play on any other platform. Yeah, there is an antitrust uh, debate uh, between Sony and Microsoft now, but mm, that's just company versus company uh, fight. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it plays Uh, out. mm -hmm. 
Uh, okay, so... Yeah, I, I really suggest to play Crypto the Necrodancer. It's not that uh, long, but uh, it's a great mix. And... Uh, one cool thing, uh, trivia, about this game is that... Uh, Nintendo found it and they asked the original uh, developers to create uh, a Zelda-themed licensed uh, game with the same mechanic. Uh, I can't remember the name. Um, mm, Cadence of Hyrule. So it's just like a... a Nintendo-themed version of the game. Exactly, exactly. And they added a bit of the Zelda gameplay, so you have uh, little dungeons. Uh, you have an overworld to explore, and the little dungeons. Yeah, exactly, a Zelda-themed one. Okay, so... I see... Many games in, in your Steam library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Do you want to go through them? Maybe not all of them because <laughs> I'll go through the good ones. Okay, so I've been playing. Uh, take the best recent one and, and the best old one. The best. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to pick a few. So the game I was playing earlier today, Fallout Three on Linux. Uh, that's somewhat difficult to get running. The like game of the year edition wouldn't run, but for some reason the regular one runs. Uh, it's mostly reliable, but as with all Windows games that are old, uh, they randomly crash. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the uh, publishing date, not about when you publishing date. <laughs> yeah, but as you wish, as uh, I just wish, to okay. see some uh, new games and some retro gaming. I don't think that I can sort by publisher date. Uh, other games I like, Team Fortress 2. Um, let's go through the old game. So this will be the old game section. Um, uh, Deus Ex, I really enjoyed playing Deus Ex. If you've never played Deus Ex, uh, it, it's a... It's almost like a, a stealth game, uh, although as soon as you unlock the laser sword, it becomes a uh, stealth followed by uh, kill all the enemies as fast as you can game. Uh, of uh, course, uh, j- just for the audience, uh, what the game? What is the game about? Uh, Deus Ex. Uh, um, for, for the audience, it's difficult to describe. <laughs> Uh, it, it's like a, a stealth shooter. Um, in the future, people have like uh, cyborg modifications. Um, you go through the game, you have to uh, complete various missions, sort of finding the cure for the great death. Uh, the plot the plot is difficult to describe, but gameplay-wise, it's... Um, really just a stealth shooter. Okay. Um... And then Half-Life 1 and 2, of course. And then let's look at my non-Steam games. Um... I-, I know one. Uh... <laughs> RuneScape, of course. Old school Sun- RuneScape. Uh... Quake. How was the, the song called? Sea Shanty uh... 2. 
See Shanty too. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the royalties on that, but it, 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 that could be a thing we put in the episode. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so of we, course we, we'll have to check. Uh, th- this music uh, is cursing me because w- when I remember it, it starts playing all the time in my head. <laughs> so yep. we could at least link it in the show notes. Uh, okay. So of course, uh, Quake is a fun game. Um, Doom. I believe I have Blood installed also. Um, Quake 2. Quake 2 is not really a Quake game, but I like it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and now we can talk about, I guess, newer games other than old, old shooter games. Um, uh, as you wish, maybe I can go with the old games. Now yeah, you can go with your old games. And okay, then... okay. Uh, for me, about the old games, I mainly play on emulators, uh, especially the Nintendo 64 games. Uh, one of the best games I've played uh, of old, old games is Banjo Kazooie for Nintendo 64. It's a 3D platform, it's one of the very first. Uh, free roaming uh, uh, platforms Um, because unlike uh, Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation which where the 3D was a fake you still uh, it it did use uh, polygons but it was almost a 2D game uh, on uh, fixed rails uh, whereas Mario 64 and Banjo Kazooie are, uh, you have a, they give you a giant world to explore. I mean, giant for the capability of the of the platform. Uh, but that's fine because they, uh, you have to check a word, dispersivo. <laughs> dispersive, okay, it exists. Uh, they are not dispersive. Because there's the, you can explore, but the, the world is small enough to fill it with uh, secrets and uh, and puzzles. Yeah, it's not, it's not like something like like Fallout Three, where the gameplay loop is wander for an hour and then kill a few mm-hmm. enemies and then wander for an hour looking for secrets, right? Yeah, one of the problems of of recent uh, open world games uh, is that they are empty. Or they are, uh, they have are full of uh, useless missions just to fill uh, in some content. Um, and also, recent open world game they have a, a, a storyline problem where they give you a non uh, a non linear gameplay where you can go wherever you want but the storyline is still completely fixed you just have to go from point A to point B from point B to point C uh, with no choice yeah yeah I actually the the storyline feels so linear it feels almost forced right like if you take a certain action before another action it just jumps to a different note on the dialogue tree and I actually did uh I guess break the Fallout 3 storyline in that way. I sort of 
completed the uh, like the first main mission completely at random, and now I'm going back and filling in all of these like uh, <laughs> preliminary quests to get experience points to proceed to the next one because my character is really underpowered. Um, it breaks continuity when you allow for that and don't sort of pro- program in, uh, I guess, a softer storyline, some- not something so heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah, th- that's really difficult, uh, as I said, because on one hand, uh, it doesn't have to feel linear, so you don't you don't have to force the player to go from in exact sequence of events. But on the other end, uh, the possible uh, endings uh, they increase so much in number that it becomes not manageable if you let the user the player do too many choices. Uh, what they did in the latest Zelda game is that they splitted the events across the, the land uh, and these events, these videos, they only gave you more insight, in, more insights into the story, but uh, you are not mandated to find them, and uh, there is no, un- there isn't an exact order to do uh, to find them. Uh, you are really free to. I think a non a non open world game where the story evolves. Uh, based on player choice, Deus Ex again. Um, Deus Ex is a game all about choices. So, uh, mm-hmm. for example, there, there's a part where uh, your brother gets ambushed in his house by like federal agents, and if you stay and fight all the federal agents, your brother's with you for the rest of the story. Right? It's a hard fork in the in the story tree. But if you leave your brother, he dies, and he's not in there for the rest of the story. Um, so you can get slightly different endings, but the main storyline still persists. And, you know, although you take actions that change the storyline, they're not, uh, you aren't sort of under the impression that any action you take might break continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game similar where, uh, where you have, uh, to do many choices all the time is Life is Strange. Uh, have you ever played it? Uh, someone told me to play it. I think I may or may not have installed it, and it didn't run very well. Uh, I think mm. I actually tried to play it on my ThinkPad X220 because, you know, you read the hardware requirements. Hey, that's my ThinkPad X220. Turns out, no, you need a big GPU. But Yeah, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. I think uh, my laptop stuttered a bit, and my desktop works fine. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty heavy. Maybe yeah. it's the Linux port. I don't know. I, I think there is a little bit of performance decrease playing uh, playing through sort of like Steam Play on Linux. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not noticeable if the game is well-optimized, right? So, like, if the game is well-optimized, it will play just fine. You won't even notice a difference. But the game is poorly optimized. You know, it doesn't really run well on, on Windows, really. And then we try to play it through a compatibility layer, and all of the the problems on Windows are only amplified through Steam Play on Linux. Uh, you know, my my example of this is what some, a nightmare <laughs> is something like Bioshock. You know, Bioshock is a buggy game. You know, Fallout Three is a buggy game. 
even on Windows, they randomly crash. And then you play them through Steam Play on Linux, and the frequency of random crashes just seems to increase exponentially. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was talking... Yeah, I forgot to finish the sentence. Uh... What I like about Banjo Kazooie is that it aged well, uh, and that's not easy to do. M- many old games uh, that uh, suffer f- from uh, the old age. Uh, maybe you have really old mechanics. Uh, for instance, uh, DuckTales and other uh, games like that uh, have. Uh, a lot of influence from arcade machines of that time and uh, in arcade machines you had random obstacles you cannot even you cannot really avoid random enemies spawning uh, uh, next to you so you cannot really avoid them because in arcade games you have to make the player play again and play again and play again and play again uh, to get more coins yeah, the the, so, the gameplay loop a- is is allow the player to play long enough to want to keep playing, but not long enough to where they complete the game. So you have exactly. to you and have to add for- some some randomization to uh, end the game prematurely. Exactly. So uh, some of the NES games from the late ni- late eighties uh, suffer from uh, that influence from the arcade uh, games. Um, but really, in Banjo-Kazooie, the difficult, difficulty level is very well uh, tuned. So I think that's I, sort of sort of prematurely ending a player's game. That's also something you see in, in, uh, in rogue-type games, right? Because it's purely random. Um, and you might have a very difficult boss on the first floor of the dungeon. Uh, <laughs> although if the game is well optimized and sort of designed around progression rather than getting money, you know, you might have an unwinnable game, but most of the time it's not an unwinnable game, unlike an arcade machine. <laughs> uh, okay, new games? New games. New game. Uh, let's see. This time we're going to start with the games I have not installed in Steam. Um, Endless Sky. That's a Linux game. Endless Sky is really—it's a fun game. Uh, I don't know what it is. Endless, Endless Sky. Sky. It's a classic Linux game. Are we going to mention Super Tux Cart here too? <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm a big fan of Super Tux Cart. <laughs> yeah, and Endless Sky is a game you fly a spaceship around. Uh, it's like a 3D space trader game almost, and. Huh. Um, it's open source. It runs on Linux quite well, and uh, the story is very good. Um, I didn't expect to sort of become invested in the storyline, but I ended up becoming invested in the storyline when I was playing it. I thought it was just uh, sort of like a space trader simulator where there's not a whole lot of story, but you know, I became very invested in the story. Very cool. Never heard of it. Really, uh, never heard of it. I, I'm surprised. Uh, it's one of the classics. Well, if we are talking about classic Linux games, uh, I will say Power Manga, uh, which is a arcade-style uh, uh, spaceship shooter in 2D. 
Uh, I think X-Bill. Did you ever play X-Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for the audience uh, who doesn't know it, <laughs> shall we explain what X-Bill is? I might have it installed. <laughs> an example of the hatred of the Linux community against uh, the poor Bill Gates. Well, you know, you only do. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It is in the Fedora repos. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I will I will play it real quick and sort of narrate. <laughs> okay. Uh, game, poor Bill Gates. Game. Uh, so basically, Xbill, you have to. Uh, Bill Gates tries to install Windows on various Unix systems, <laughs> and as he comes to these various Unix systems, you have to click on him to uh, turn him into a puddle of of, of guts. <laughs> and uh, when you let him get to a a Linux system, if he installs uh, Windows on one of these Linux or Unix systems. Uh, it will create like a network effect, and then it will infect the other systems connected to it. Exactly, literally <laughs> as a spyware. Uh, it's quite literally spyware, <laughs> but uh, can I warp to level ninety-nine? Yeah, so level ninety-nine, Bill Gates comes running in. Examples of the Unix systems, you know, like uh, old Macintosh, Linux, uh, Next. Um, uh, Silicon, SGI, that one, um, Solaris, uh, BSD, even. No plan nine. No plan nine, but we have to. You have, we have to make a GitHub. Uh, I mean, Git issue. And, we'll uh, we'll, we'll mod just for, fork X bill. Yeah, we'll fork X bill. Call it X Stallman, and Richard Stallman tries to install GNU on all of the non-GNU <laughs> Unixes. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't want GNU on Plan 9, and you have to squash Richard Stallman. <laughs> Maybe a parody game, I don't know. He's not a... I don't know. That was just a fun idea I thought of. <laughs> right, because, you know, viral GPL. <laughs> um, Maybe one time I will tell about the time I, I met Stallman. Did he ask to borrow your phone? No, 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 no. It, it, he did it in a, at a friend of mine, but maybe for a next episode. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, new game. New games. I'm almost done. Or maybe with new uh, games. Say a game where you really was, uh, you were surprised by a very smart uh, gameplay mechanics. A game that I was surprised by gameplay mechanics. Yeah. Um, new games where I was surprised by mechanics. Okay, so there's a game called... Well, e e even old, yeah. Even, ju old, just even old games. So a lot of the like uh, arena-type shooters I play are pretty predictable, although Half-Life 2 has a lot of uh, novel mechanics, and you can see... A lot of newer shooters taking inspiration from Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2, it's like... The gameplay is fairly fluid. It almost feels like an arena shooter, but... Um, sort of the gravity gun mechanics are kind of interesting. Um, 
But the game that surprised me most with gameplay mechanics is a game called Cruelty Squad. This, I believe this is a Godot game, actually. But, but Cruelty Squad is a game, it's, it's almost takes inspiration from these old shooters. Uh, but, but, you know, it's in the name Cruelty Squad. It's a very difficult name, and right off the bat, you're sort of punished, and every action you take is punishing, and it's difficult. And your player dies very easily, and there's like a stock market mechanic, so how you make money is by putting your money into the stock market. And uh, there's also like a fish... What, what, what is about... What is it about? I see it's very colorful uh, and very, cru- uh, cruelty very cra- crazy Cruelty uh, Squad is hard to describe. Um, it's... Uh, imagine like like the the gore levels from like Doom 3 combined with like a vaporwave aesthetic combined with like uh, a lot of other things um I'm going to start the game and see if it gives me a better gauge on how to describe it I guess your laptop will just crash Yeah it's just going to crash goodbye <laughs> Well, if the laptop crashes, uh, thank for listening. <laughs> we'll be able to patch and see it. See you in. in the next episode. <laughs> uh, so, so Cruelty Squad's a very colorful game. Um, just, just the mechanics are so strange. Like the entire, uh, the entire idea behind the game is to make the player uncomfortable with the idea of playing the game. Right? It's, it's. Some of the mechanics are familiar, but, like, the reload mechanic, instead of just pushing R to reload the gun, you have to hold right-click and drag your mouse down and then up, right? Even that mechanic is so strange. A lot of the mechanics are really strange and unfamiliar and uncomfortable, and I think uh, it's really surprising to play just because of how difficult (laughs) it is to get used to it. It is, is it that difficulty made for a reason, for a maybe uh, storyline reason, or is it just a it's, bad uh, it's user not, interface design? Uh, I think. I mean, what, what's what's the, the story? The bad the bad maybe. interface design is intentional. The whole the whole design behind the game is to make it difficult to play, right, from a controls perspective, and to alienate the user from the concept of playing a game. So it's really refreshing, although somewhat frustrating until you sort of uh, get used to it and then it becomes uh, quite fun to play. Um, okay, so we have a very good suggestions for uh, for everyone listening. Yeah, we can put a list. Uh, and you can find it on, uh, on Steam too. I think a lot of these are on GOG too. Okay, ah, yeah. Maybe, uh, for people who don't know it, GOG... Uh, is a platform similar to Steam where you can buy games, but they are they are DRM free, DRM free. So you can get the full executable of the game without restriction and without uh, having to log in just to play your game and similar. Yeah, I t- I typically just use Steam, although I have a few GOG games floating around. But I typically just use Steam because of uh, the community and Steam Play on Linux makes it really easy to run games mm-hmm. that are not officially supported on Linux. Uh, okay. Well, for me, instead, uh, a cool gameplay I found 
I, I really enjoy where when uh, developers uh, experiment with uh, new local multiplayer ideas. Uh, I under I like the concept of uh, uh, making people play together instead of making people play with the screen. So you know when you are playing with f some friends and everyone is watching the the TV in order to interact, but there are some uh, video games where you need to interact with your peers directly, face to face. And one of these uh, <laughs> is a very strange party game for Wii U. Uh, it, it's called Spin the Bottle Bumpy's Party. And they really use every possible sensor, every available sensor on the console uh, for uh, to, to make uh, the group of friends interact. Uh, and another one, I, I guess it is from the same developers, or I'm not qu quite sure. It's called Affordable Space Adventures. And uh, it's interesting because it has the... It pushes strongly uh, for the concept of um, asymmetric multiplayer, uh, which is multiplayer where each player has a different... Uh, uh, goal uh, has a different uh, um, controls has different uh, tools to interact with the game so you have to control a spaceship spaceship all together as you were uh, um, I don't know the term uh, as a crew uh, so one is driving only the direction, one is driving only the activation of the engines, one is driving only the light sensors, one is and you split the tasks between the the players and you have you are forced to collaborate to succeed. You are forced to interact and talk to the other people in the room to succeed. I think I like. I like the idea of games like that, although I don't play many of them, because it's almost like, like a digital version of a, of a cooperative board game. Um, if you've ever uh, played a board game where sort of the win condition is cooperation, um, rather than beating the other players, that's what a lot of those games feel like, and they're really uh, fun to play with friends. Because at the end of it, nobody loses, right? Uh, they're also the only types of games you can play with people who get mad and sort of flip the table when they start to lose. Uh, and, you know, throw throw controllers when they start to lose. But I, I don't try to surround myself with those types of people. They're not very fun to play with. Uh, but I think you mixed up uh, cooperative multiplayer and asymmetric multiplayer. Uh, cooperative multiplayer is the one where uh, you have to collaborate uh, with the other uh, players, but maybe you can do the. You have the same tools. You have the same ways to interact with the game. Uh, it it just means that you have to cooperate to succeed. Uh, whereas asymmetric multiplayer means that every player has different available actions in different times of the. 
I of the game. Don't think I've ever played an isometric board game. Uh, I don't know if those, those probably exist, but uh, hmm. I would I would need to think about that. Yeah, it's kind of a strange concept to think about, sort of de digit digitalizing these sort of game mechanics. Uh, mm-hmm. But even like children's board games, like cooperative children's board games, those are kind of an interesting. Uh, way of thinking about playing games because you know it's sort of designed to make siblings not fight each other but uh, you know playing <laughs> playing it as an adult there's a lot of interesting game mechanics that you haven't seen before uh, I can't I don't have my, my game shelf next to me I don't play a lot of board games anymore but um... I started playing board games again because we have a local pub uh where they have board games, so you, if you pay more than five euros, uh, you can play for hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hours and hours. Every available game uh, they have. Uh, we, one of them isn't have video games. But, we have a couple. Uh, we mostly go them with. Uh, we go them for board games. We have a couple local game stores. They do like, you can just go in and play games. Um, I don't go to those. The types of people who are there are not typically the types of people I enjoy being around. You know, a lot of people who are kind of uh, really hell-bent on winning. And hmm. it's not really a relaxed environment. You know, people playing like like, like Warhammer really seriously. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and getting out their rulers and you, ask, you try to ask them a question about the game. <laughs> and, you know... Uh, they're like, why don't you know this? It's like I've never played this game before. I don't. <laughs> as far as I can tell, you guys are just playing with action figures. I'm trying to learn the the, the math stuff. Looks like something I'd be interested in. Uh, <laughs> similarly, uh, other card games. Um, I guess we are going a bit off topic. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. It's just a, a game show. Maybe we can. Uh, yeah, we can use this as a second episode. Or we'll just put it all. We'll just put it all together. Anyway, you were talking about Warhammer. Warhammer. Uh, I've never played it. I know of it. Uh, all I know is you have like a ruler and a protractor or something, and you do math. Uh, I don't go to game stores very often. Sometimes they'll have interesting games there, uh, but typically the types of board games I find myself buying are more like, uh, almost like I said, children's board games. Uh, lar- largely because they all have an interesting mechanic. Uh, I actually might go raid my board game shelf and just talk about some of those games. Uh, okay. So I'll be back. He's going away. The guest went away. And... <laughs> no, really, I- I'm serious. He left the room <laughs> to see the games and... Uh... While I was gone, all of the uh, personal information was shared. <laughs> My privacy was violated, perhaps. You, I, I will you never know I, until the publishing of the show. Yeah, I will live in fear till that day. So the first game I have is a game called uh, Labyrinth from Ravensburger. This is a children's game. Uh, it's tile-based, strategy-based. Um... It's really fun. Uh, is it the, is it the one where you uh, push one tile on one side, uh, and then it, 
Yep, you you move the yeah, tiles. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I've to, played it. To get I've to the it. to get to the goal, it's it's quite a fun uh, game and very simple but cool. Yeah, it's quite simple. Um, I grabbed three. I'm only going to talk about two. I haven't. I think I've only played this game once, and then someone got hot glue on the cover. Uh, this game is. See, that's the problem. I buy board games and then I only play them once because I have no one to play with. <laughs> um, if I have to remember this game... Yeah, so this game is kind of interesting. It's called uh, Tokaido. Uh, the win condition... Really, there isn't a win condition, right? Uh, you win hmm. by moving across the board and back. And you can collect various things uh, for scoring purposes. And you you win uh, you win the game by sort of uh, removing all of the resources you collect along the way, right? So the more the more resources you get rid of, the more you win. Um, I can't, like, it was years ago I played this game, but I, I remembered enjoying it a lot. Um, uh, but yeah, sort of you can buy things to increase your own score, or you can increase your score by not buying things and instead getting rid of your money without anything in return. Uh, I remember enjoying it quite a lot. I'll probably have to play it again, but like I said, the issue is not having anybody to play games with. Um, and that's always sort mm -hmm. of the problem, isn't it? And that's why I mostly play single-player video games now, is because I can have fun and strategize something. Uh, or like okay. card games, you know? Yu-Gi-Oh! No, Yu-Gi-Oh! This is the Yu-Gi-Oh uh, episode. We will now talk about Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> for the next six hours. I have the card here. <laughs> anyway, next episode. Really, next episode. So, thanks for listening and uh, well, let's thank the, our guest, BNRC, for joining us. Uh, yeah, I guess so, thanks for yeah. having me. Uh, thanks for the nonsensical droning about video games. Uh, I think I think I'll make a list of the games I recommend and send it over before you edit. So then, I will also link in like any game board games we talked about in case people want to buy them. Absolutely, we can put that into the notes. Yeah, we'll make a, podcast, a yeah? link list for the notes, uh, and I might okay. I might include some I didn't talk about either, just because I think they're fun. Um, okay. Thank you and uh, see you in the next episode. Yep, thanks for listening. Bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, you can click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.